This is Chris Brooks. Thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Be sure and subscribe for free so that you don't miss an episode. For more information, visit our website, equipradio.org. Hey there, friends. Welcome to another exciting edition of Equip with Chris Brooks. So glad that you've uh, tuned in today. Why don't you do me a favor, strap on your seatbelt. We're going to navigate through the contours of culture, as always, with the lens of the biblical worldview on. But before we do that, let me remind you, this is the day that the Lord has made. He has given it as a gift so that you and I can rejoice and be glad in it. So let's do just that. Let's follow the words of the Apostle Paul. Let's rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And with that being said, I welcome you to what will be a very interactive edition of Equip. The phone number to join the conversation is 877-LIVE-675. That's 877-548-3675. Before it's all said and done today, my hope is that we'll be able to engage in a discussion about uh, the upcoming uh, November election and the states that are facing abortion on their ballot, how we as Christians should process uh, not only our uh, commitment to the sanctity of life, but I also want to open it up for those of you who have reservations or concerns about uh, that that position on the sanctity of life, or maybe uh, the whole prospects of voting according to those, uh, those pro-life convictions. So we're going to do that. We'll also talk a little bit about the movement among public schools to market transgender uh, uh, ideology to uh, our youth. Uh, As young as age is uh, eight, uh, marketing gender transition therapy. But before we get to all of that, and again, open up the phone lines at 877-548-3675, I do want to take a moment to invite you to mark your calendars because we are going to be having our next Zoom webinar coming up for those of you who are monthly partners. This is something we like to do quarterly as a way of making sure we are able to process the most important things happening in our culture and uh, to have uh, uh, a time of intimate gathering where you can get your questions answered personally by me as well and to uh, process together how we as Christians can more faithfully live out our witness before watching world. The next Zoom webinar is going to be on November 17th. The topic will be the Christian and politics. The Christians and the Christian and politics, how are we to engage civically, not just during election cycles, but uh, all year round in order to uh, make sure that we are properly impacting culture the way Christ has intended. As always, I want to invite broadly our monthly partners, but I also want to put this on your radar if you're serving in the area of civic government. Now, this is for our monthly partners, but if you're not a monthly partner, you can easily become become one by dialing 888-644-4144 or going to our website, equipradio.org. That's 888-644-4144. And I'd love for you to consider that. But mark your calendars immediately following the program will be our next Zoom webinar. The Christian and Politics will reflect on the implications of November 8th 
and uh, we'll, I'm sure, have a lot to dialogue with uh, there uh, as many Senate seats, gubernatorial seats are up for election. There's a lot of ballot issues that will be discussed in process. We'll do that all through a Christian worldview perspective, through the lens of Scripture. But we'll also talk about what are the enduring principles given to us by Scripture concerning how we are to engage civically in order to produce societies that are flourishing and in order to properly represent Christ. So make sure you register. It'll be in your next Equipper Encouragement email, and I hope to see you there. With that being said, uh, one of the big issues that is uh, coming up on a number of ballots is uh, the issue of codifying what's become popularly known as reproductive rights or reproductive freedom. What uh, that language translates to, though, translates to, in, uh, in every instance, are amendments or proposals or propositions that would give unlimited, unrestricted access to abortion. And um, obviously, I've been very clear on this program on the values that undergird uh, my commitment to the sanctity of life, namely that all human beings have been made in the image of God and that life begins in the womb and that all human beings are worthy of dignity. And then finally is the value that we are supposed to raise our voice loudly for those who cannot defend themselves. And so because all human life has dignity, That includes in the womb, that includes those who are disabled, that includes the elderly, that includes the marginalized, that includes the immigrant, that includes minorities. Because all human life is worthy of dignity, we should protect it. And I think that that starts in the womb rightfully, logically, because if we cannot uh, protect the right for someone to be born, if we can't protect children in the womb, then logically we lose all credibility for trying to protect any other subsequent right. If a child is not worthy of our protection in the womb, then we lose, in my opinion, uh, and I think uh, I can defend this from Scripture well, we lose the credibility of saying, hey, we'll fight for the poor hey, we'll fight for the mistreated, we'll fight for the abused if we are unwilling or unable to give uh, strong protections to uh, the most vulnerable among us, uh, which I I would argue starts in the womb. Now, maybe you have a difference of opinion here. Maybe you say, hey, Chris, I think there should be some exceptions here, or maybe you have reservations about Christians voting their sanctity of life views. I'd love to create a safe space for disagreement. I think it's so important that we do that. And I want to open up the phone lines at 877-LIVE-675, not today primarily for those of you who would agree with me, Uh, not today primarily for those of you who would say, yes, pumping your fists, Chris, keep preaching, the pro-life position. Uh, I appreciate you. I I appreciate your encouragement. Uh, I think we have broad alignment, but I want to open up the phone lines today for sincere uh, brothers and sisters who will listen to this and say, 
Chris, love you, but I disagree, or I have concern, or I have reservation, because I think so often we don't know how to model what civil disagreement can look like. We don't know uh, or, or have a place to have this discussion, and I want to create a space for that to happen. 877-LIVE-675. 877-548-3675 is the phone number uh, for you to give us a call. And in particular, for those of you who say, hey, I have some reservations about this push that all Christians need to vote based off of their convictions around the sanctity of life. Um, I have a concern here uh, with the way that this is being shaped. I want to create a safe space for you. Don't worry. This isn't uh, an environment that's going to be a setup or a gotcha moment. Uh, I I really do want to model what it is to have civil dialogue. But I I want to do that uh, with full disclaimer. Uh, I I do have uh, pretty strong convictions here and uh, and I'll express that. Now, with that being said, while folks are calling in at 877-548-3675, I do want to mention some of the states that uh, we need to be praying for, quite honestly. California, Proposition 1 in California uh, would propose uh, that um, there be unlimited uh, access to uh, to abortion. Proposition one would ask voters whether uh, to enshrine abortion rights in their state constitution or not. Um, If you vote yes for this, what you're basically saying is that the state shall not deny or interfere with a a woman's access or right to an abortion, no matter what stage of life, no matter what cause or reason given um, that that is something that uh, would be opened up uh, without interference at all. A vote no would say that the state would um, keep currently uh, their current stance on this that gives uh, um, some abortion rights, but it's not codified. So that's pretty much the distinction there. Kentucky Amendment 2. Kentucky has an amendment, too. It's a legislative amendment. This is a ballot question. Are you in favor of amending the state constitution to create a new section of the constitution, uh, which would be labeled 26A, which is to protect human life? Um, Nothing currently in the constitution uh, says that, but this would be to protect human life. So to vote yes on that one would be to support, uh, to strengthen protection for human life. Uh, Montana, legislative referendum 131 is on your ballot. And this is what's become known as the Born Alive Infant Protection Act. Uh, if adopted, that uh, Born Alive uh, would be defined as an infant at any stage of development um, would be protected under under this law, and um, that uh, it would also uh, lead to prosecution for health care providers that violated that. So that's that's in Montana. That's being proposed. Then there's Vermont. Vermont, Article 22. You need to be aware of this. If you're in Vermont, Article 22 would consider whether or not the state should add a constitutional amendment 
that abortion rights supporters uh, would advocate for, which is that every person should have the right to an abortion. And again, the language that they would use would be reproductive freedoms or to make their own reproductive decisions here. That would be uh, Article 22 in Vermont. To support that would be to codify unlimited access to abortions without restrictions and with uh, no restrictions on justification. Now, there's a lot more to all of these. I'm just in brief giving you 30,000-foot view, but there are implications on everything from parental rights to the standards of uh, quality uh, for abortion clinics to uh, uh, doctors' uh, ability to uh, administer abortion. There's a lot of uh, entanglements with all of these. I'm just giving you, again, a quick overview. Finally, Michigan Proposal 3. Uh, I'm in Michigan and in many ways right in the thick of trying to encourage believers that this is not a proposal that we we should desire to support. But again, it would codify what's known as reproductive rights or freedoms, which is really a the language used to support abortion on demand without restriction um, at any stage of life. And um, in, in most, if not all of these cases, all previous laws on the books, all previous laws on the books would be undone. So currently, Michigan, as, as well as many, many states, uh, abides by the Hyde Amendment, which restricts um, taxpayer dollars from being used to fund directly or indirectly clinics, facilities, programs that, that um, perform abortions. These protective laws, these barrier laws, as they've been called, would be removed and replaced with uh, the, the uh, new proposals, legislation, or amendment language for each one of these states. So just be mindful of that. Now, I have felt so uh, passionate about this that I wrote a statement that I want to read to you for our church here, my home church here. And uh, I'll try to read it in a generic form because I think it could apply to just about any state. But it specifically was written in reflection to what's happening here in Michigan around Proposal 3. And I want you to just hear some of the language when we get back from this break, because I'm up against a break, some of the language that seeks to accomplish three things. Number one, uh, affirm a biblical perspective on on uh, the Christian in politics. Number two, affirm uh, the support of women and their agency. And then number three, affirm the sanctity of all human life. I try to do all three of those things in one statement. We'll discuss it. We'll also take your calls at 877-548-3675. Hey, stick and stay. Don't go anywhere. Much more to come next up on Equip.
I have some exciting news for all our equippers. Those of you who support our program on a monthly basis, we have another Zoom webinar coming up and it's just for you. All the details will be coming to your inbox, so watch your email to find out how you can sign up for our interactive time together. If you're not an equipper and want to attend, all you have to do to become a monthly partner is call 888-644-4144 or go online to equipradio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. Thanks to all of those who are supporting the program. So uh, appreciative of your prayerful and financial support. So thanks to Tim in Lombard, Illinois, for your uh, partnership. Thank you to Nancy Ann in, uh, in Ohio for your partnership as well. Uh, so grateful for each one that listens to and supports the program. Find out more at our website, equipradio.org. Today we're talking about uh, abortion proposals that will be on uh, in the, the November ballot for uh, many states. Some of these battles are being done just purely legislatively, but some are being actually presented as a proposal or a proposition or a, uh, a addendum for uh, residents to vote on. And I am encouraging uh, folks in every state to vote the sanctity of life, to protect uh, human life, life in the womb. Uh, but I recognize some would have uh, maybe reservation or concern about that. Some say, hey, Chris, love you, appreciate you, but I um, have a concern about this emphasis or push to vote uh, pro-life. Uh, and uh, I want to create a space to talk about it. I want to create a safe space for us to discuss, even when we disagree. I think that it's important to model civility, and I think also it's important for us to be able to process some of both the misconceptions and common objections to the sanctity of life position. So you call today, 877-LIVE-675. I promise you, you will be treated well. 877 877- 548-3675. Let's go to Ohio. Martha is listening there. Martha, thank you so much for calling. What's your comment or question? Hi, Chris. I consider myself pro-life and can't see a problem with voting pro-life on a lot of those proposals and issues. My problem comes when, and I don't want to take you down the rabbit hole here, but when it comes to candidates, because I'm also very pro-immigrant um, I do a lot of work with immigrant yeah. communities that I hear their heartbreaking stories. And yes. I, it's very hard for me to vote for so, someone who casts himself or herself as a pro-life candidate when they're anti-immigrant. Yeah. So I, first off, Martha, thank you so much for giving a call. Um, I think I would uh, vastly agree with you in that, sadly, and, I, and, and this is reflected within the church a few uh, days ago, I think it was earlier last week, I did a show on immigration, which revealed that only 14% of evangelicals say that the Bible is their primary reference point for their perspective on this whole issue. And I think wherever we have an issue where the Bible is not our primary reference point, we're going to tend to be beholden to the hyper-partisan politics of our day instead of taking a, uh, a Christian or, or biblical perspective. So it is sad that uh, for many, immigration is not a pro-life issue. It is sad that how we treat those who are seeking asylum in our country 
uh, is not often seen with the same intensity or passion as how we protect children in the womb. Uh, I would simply say two things when it comes to voting for the proposals. They're not candidate driven. They're not partisan driven. So as you stated, I think we are very much in safe ground with voting just our perspective on the particular proposal or proposition that's on our ballots. When it comes to candidates, we're left to ask two questions. One, what are my priorities? In all of these things, there's like maybe a dozen issues that are important to you, from the economy to health care to foreign affairs. For all of us, these are issues that are important to us, but all of them are not equally as important. So the difficulty of every election is ranking. We're going to have to rank which issues are most important and then ask ourselves which candidates align with my perspective that's hopefully informed by the word of God in these priority areas. But the second thing we're going to have to do is ask ourselves which candidates seem to be the most reasonable and influenceable when it comes to maybe helping them to round out their perspective. Maybe they have some really good anchoring values that uh, need to be rounded out. You know, we have in my church family a number of political uh, folks that hold political office. And what I hope is that they're also being discipled, that they're also open in a reasonable way to dialogue and discussion. So hopefully that helps. And as you process through who to vote for, uh, look at the candidate who has a track record of uh, not just being an ideologue, aligning with party just for party's sake, but actually seeking to implement a moral vision that will uh, lead to the flourishing of your community. Thank you, Martha, for giving us a call. Uh, let's go to Joanne, who's listening in Chicago. Hey, uh, Joanne, thank you so much for listening and your patience. What's your comment? I Well, two things. One is I used to be very pro-choice in my youth until a Christian friend really made me think about it. And I, it's probably the one issue in my life that I've drastically changed my opinion um, after a lot of thought. So I did, sure. like this was about 30 years ago, I changed my opinion. Um, but I do kind of struggle like the previous caller with, with other issues, um, such as the, taking care of the poor and yes. health care and the environment. And I'm really struggling this year more so than any other years because it just, I don't know, it just feels yeah. like I don't really want to vote for either party. Yeah. Um, and so, and yeah. I don't want to be somebody who decides not to vote. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, you know, again, I want to just sympathize with where you're at. And, and uh, if you listen to uh, David French and others who do research in this uh, whole area of civic engagement from a Christian perspective, and he does it from a uh, he does it from a platform called the Dispatch. If you listen to to the studies and research that's coming out, what you just stated, Joanne, is reflective of about sixty five plus percent of the American populace who says, "I don't feel I should have to choose between groups of people." that I want to provide care for, or to put it a different way, I um, yes, I have a commitment 
to both the poor or, again, the migrant, uh, the asylum seeker, the refugee, the immigrant. I have um, a heart for them, and I also have a heart for um, the, the child that's in the womb. All I can say is this, is again, what we're going to have to do is disciple better. We're going to have to continue to um, not fall into this false dichotomy, but we are going to have to rank in priority how we go about dealing with these issues. And we are going to have to begin to uh, demand more of the people that we put into office. Now, I've always been a big believer, Joanne, that those who you disciple, you won't later have to lobby. I think a lot of why we have to lobby these politicians is because we didn't disciple them um, well within our churches. Um, but I am a, of agreement with you. Now, one group, uh, Joanne, that may be helpful for you and helpful broadly for our audience is a group called the AND Campaign. And what the AND Campaign is seeking to do is instead of, again, ascribing to hyperpartisan politics, that presents uh, kind of extremism at, at times um, concerning these issues is to promote a, a, a biblical prep platform that centers conviction around God's moral law with compassion for people. You may want to check out the AND campaign because they're helping many to think deeply along these lines. But again, as we get ready to go to break, I will say it's one thing to be torn on what candidate to vote for. It's an entirely different thing to be uh, faced with an opportunity to affirm the value of human life in the womb, children in the womb, to provide them protections based off a proposal, a referendum, a proposition that's on your ballot. Maybe you're torn about candidates, but the most vulnerable among us need our voice if they're going to be protected in the womb. That starts with moms and dads, but that's also when presented to us as Americans to vote on, that also is what should inform our vote. We're going to take more of your calls when we come back right after this. This daily program is fully devoted to coming alongside listeners like you to give you the tools needed for a successful walk with God. As one of our loyal listeners, would you be willing to become an equipper? Your monthly contribution will be applied to equipping others all across the country. Plus, as an equipper, I'll send you regular emails that contain brief pastoral messages prepared just for you. To become an equipper now, call 888-644-4144 or go online to equipradio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. Grateful for you listening in today. We are just a few short weeks away from the November elections. I'm sure many of you can't wait to see that day come and maybe even go. Uh, but it is an important time. All elections are important, and this is an important election, in particular on the state level. The overturning of Roe v. Wade, the overturning of Roe, which took fi uh, 49 years to overturn, first uh, first. Uh, put into place by the Supreme Court in 1973 has now created a state-by-state -state battle, if you will, over these issues, and uh, in particular over the protection of children in the womb. And so I am highlighting five major states 
that have uh, proposals or referendums or propositions on their ballots in this upcoming November. And I'm encouraging you to vote uh, based off of the values of Scripture, um, and, and in particular in these proposals, referendums, amendments, if you will, um, to vote the sanctity of life. Now, what I wanted to do today, though, is quite honestly, so often we're criticized as radio host of pre- uh, presenting our position and not listening to those who would disagree. So I wanted to open up the phone lines today to say, hey, let's create a safe place for disagreement. If you disagree with either the whole thought of children being protected in the womb, or if you say, no, I don't disagree with that, but I do disagree with the proposition of voting that way, then I'd love to have a civil discourse with you. 877-548-3675. Again, the states that should be mindful is California Proposition 1, Kentucky Amendment 2, Montana Legislative Referendum Number 131, Vermont Article 22, and Michigan Proposal 3. Uh, We should all be aware of where in those states and Christians outside of those states should certainly be praying um, and and doing all they can to uh, support the protection of life, even if it's from a distance. 877-LIVE-675 is the number. I want to go to Tony, who's listening in Florida. Hey, Tony, thank you so much for calling. What's your question, my friend? Hey, hello, hello. First of all, I just want to state that I'm a Christian and pro-life. And uh, as a man that preaches and spreads the gospel in street ministry and prison ministry, I understand the sanctity of life, the intentional of God giving life, those for those who are born and unborn. But, you know, in this world today, there's a lot of lies that are mixed in with truth. And including these proposals, they're really tricky. Sure. Now, I don't know if any of your uh, listeners or if you know of, is there a financial component to this? Because I've been led and heard from other people where there's money to be made from these fetuses. So why not encourage people? But let's make some truth and lie in it. Let's tell them it's a woman's choice. You know, let, let's tell yeah. them. And especially wasn't well, a woman's choice what got us into not saying I blame it on women, but. Making that choice that, you know, to, uh, uh, to begin with, yeah. they got us in the system. So, you know, this is where I want to see, if, is there a financial component? Has anyone sure. had an abortion where they had to sign over the fetuses, the rights, or whatever? And yeah. if you sign that over, who collects it? And what do they do with it? The stem cell research, this other research, the COVID-19 vaccine is, comes from aborted fetuses. So is that being addressed rather than... Oh, it's a woman's right or, or, or the favor or the benefits of it or in, in cases of rape and incest. And when it comes down to rape and incest, I, I can't place that on anyone. But I know God has been there for me in rough times, dangerous times. So do we exclude those times? But uh, my serious question is, what is the financial implication behind it? Who's benefiting from it? Because it's usually if we follow the money, we'll find the truth. Yeah, so obviously uh, you you stated a lot in in that, Tony, so I don't know if I'll be able to address all of it. I do want to just, from a a theological and doctrinal perspective, make sure we're careful in the way that we read and interpret Genesis 3, original sin, yes, obviously Eve, um, uh, 
is is very much culpable for her uh, disobedience to God's command. But uh, my friend, I would uh, lay a, a lot at the feet and on the lap of Adam as uh, as the uh, one who the command was given directly to. So let's make sure that we are mindful to not place original sin uh, solely in the lap of women. Adam and Eve are both held accountable uh, uh, towards that end. But to your question more specifically, yeah, we always have to follow the money when it comes to these things. I think you're wise and right in bringing that up. Abortion has become a multi-billion dollar industry. Make no mistake about it. A lot of the ads, a lot of the campaigns, a lot of the movement are driven by activists and others whose careers depend on it, whose livelihoods depend on it. If you're an executive at Planned Parenthood, you're not there on a volunteer basis. You're not there simply because of your moral convictions. It's a job for you. There are many, many who are employed literally off of the blood of aborted children. And so uh, I think that you're you're asking uh, right questions. I also think that it's important for us to know that many Christians have asked the question of what protections can we put into place for aborted fetuses? Even if uh, a child is aborted, how do we make sure that they have a proper burial, internment? How do we make sure that the mom is properly cared for and not discarded? Um, I I think that these are very, very uh, serious issues that many have picked up on and are addressing within uh, their own states. As far as uh, stem cell research is is concerned, uh, the pro-life position has been to be very much opposed to using Uh, harvesting stem cells from aborted fetuses. I think that there's a lot of promising research around adult stem cells to address chronic diseases. So often the proposition is either I support uh, research to heal chronic diseases or I uh, support the protection of uh, or, or I or I support the protection of children. I think you can support the protection of children while saying let's use alternatives to embryonic stem cells to be able to address some of these sicknesses um, and and chronic illnesses. So I appreciate Tony, you giving a call. Uh, you're right to follow the money in this because I do think this is a huge financial industry, a cottage industry that has created uh, multi-billion dollars of revenues for many, many people and uh, and is currently getting a half a billion dollars every year, at least within our government budget as well. Uh, With that being said, uh, I do want to open up the phone lines, but I also want to read up this, read a, a little bit rather of this statement that I wrote. And again, I wrote this statement in in many ways for my home church, Woodside Bible Church, here in Metro Detroit, uh, Michigan. But I wrote it thinking about uh, those Christians who are facing the proposition of having to vote on one of these propositions or proposals um, that is going to be on our November ballot. So so I say this, that citizens throughout our country in just a few short weeks will exercise one of our nation's greatest freedoms, 
the right to cast a vote in another election. Now, as Christians, we believe that the right to vote is a gift that should be stewarded for the glory of God, 1 Corinthians 10.31. We also are aware of the dangers of politicizing the church. Scripture is clear that Jesus did not come to establish an earthly kingdom. That's John 18.36. He says that. There is no precedent of Jesus endorsing a political candidate or party. As a result, I tell our parishioners here at Woodside, well, we've uh, chosen to abstain from such endorsements. The hyper-partisan politics of this world should not imprison Christ's church. Uh, Woodside, my home church, is not beholden to any one political party. Rather, our full commitment is to the Scriptures, which reveal the moral law of God and the fulfillment of the Great Commission. I go on to say that we believe that where Scripture is silent, we must remain silent. However, where Scripture speaks, we must speak. It is this understanding of the public duty of the church that drives our civic engagement. History has also proven that where while all elections are important, some are more consequential than others, and such is the case of this November ballot. Now, I feel the motivation for us writing this as, uh, as elders of my local church, the whole motivation was that so many of the members of our church have been asking for spiritual guidance, and I, I salute them for that. Uh, many of the members of our church have said, I'd rather hear from my pastor on this than a, than a um, cable news pundit. I'd rather hear from my pastor on this than some paid political talking head. And I appreciate that, and so we've tried to respond to that. Now, here's the next paragraph. Um, again, Woodside, my home church, highly values the agency of women and seeks to encourage, empower, and equip them to live abundant lives in Christ. We serve tens of thousands of women locally and globally through various ministries that center on advocating and advancing opportunities for them to flourish practically and spiritually. Their voice informs every aspect of how our church fulfills its mission in the world. We desire for every woman to receive the best care possible for her body, soul, and spirit. We also acknowledge that pregnancy is a beautiful blessing full of wonderful joys and complex challenges for some. These challenges require truly compassionate health care that leads to healing and wholeness. We must avoid false solutions that only multiply brokenness and pain. We also believe that all human life has dignity and is worthy of our full and unwavering protection. This includes the most vulnerable to uh, exploitation and mistreatment, such as the disabled, the poor, immigrants, orphans, widows, and children in the womb. I'll end with this before our next break. The Bible commands us to speak up for the voiceless and to advocate for their rights. That's Proverbs 31 and 8. So what you see here is in a couple of paragraphs, Uh, And there's much more to the statement. I just read a couple of paragraphs. But in a couple of paragraphs, what we wanted to affirm is three things. Number one, that the church should not be the religious wing of any political party. We have to vote uh, the moral law of God whenever given the privilege. We have to vote our conscience, just like every other American votes their morality and their conscience. We're obligated to do the same. 
And uh, we should uh, do that on the basis of commitment and loyalty to uh, to to Christ, to uh, to God, but not to uh, party affiliation as a predeterminate of which way we're going to vote. Because if we do it that way, when parties drift, we're going to drift and we don't want to drift. Secondly, we want to affirm the agency and sincere respect, rapport and value we place on women. And then thirdly, we want to affirm the uh, the dignity of all human life, including children in the womb. Um, I'll post this statement later, but I, again, want you to understand that every church, I think, should be giving guidance to its members along these lines. Let's take your phone calls after this, 877-548-3675. You want to learn more about Equip? Well, why don't you go to our website, equipradio.org. Stick and stay. Much more to come on Equip next up. Hey there, friends. I want to recommend a book about overcoming real-life struggles that hurt us and our marriages. It's called Loving Your Spouse When You Feel Like Walking Away by Dr. Gary Chapman. This book will help you to find personal and marital healing. It's great to read by yourself, as a couple, or even in a small group. Ask for your copy when you support Equip with a gift of any amount this month. Simply call 888-644-4144 or visit EquipRadio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. This is kind of what we affectionately call the rapid fire round. I'll see if I can get a few of your calls in. I'll start with Joy, who's listening in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Joy, thank you for calling. What's your comment or question today? Hi, good afternoon, Chris. My comment is that I think both pro-choice and pro-life, both groups need to be talking to each other so that we understand the pros and the cons. I, when I was young, I had three abortions. I thought about the fourth one, and that son is now 51. I am so thankful to God that that abortion did not go through. Now I'm 70, and so I'm a Christian, and I've changed my mind about pro-choice. Yes. I think all lives are important, but yes. we both, both groups need to be talking so that we understand what are the pros and what are the cons and why someone would even think about getting an abortion. Because if I am, as you can hear my accent, I'm not from America. If I had known when I was younger that that, that fetus, from the time you conceive, it's a baby, I would have had different thoughts. So young women and old women, we all need to be hearing that. Yeah, you know, I, first off, I, I appreciate you calling, and thank you for your honesty and transparency. Obviously, you've had time to process as a woman, uh, process as a believer, and uh, I'm grateful for your voice, uh, voice of wisdom and experience. Uh, with that being said, I, I think we're in a different day and age, unfortunately, because of the hyper-politicalization of this issue. 
where um, it used to be said by those who are pro-choice that they wanted abortions to be safe, legal, and rare. Now they're saying that they want it without restriction, unlimited in its capacity, and publicly funded. And I think those are different propositions. Do we need to make sure we're in dialogue? Yes. If for no other reason so that uh, we who believe differently but are committed to truthful representation will make sure that we're not putting forth false representations or arguing old points. When we're not conversing with a group that believes differently than us, religiously, morally, in this case, politically, then oftentimes we are arguing old points that have changed. So I appreciate, Joy, you bringing that up. I don't disagree with you. I do think we need to be conversing. And who knows, for those of us who are evangelistic in nature, the person who we might have the strongest disagreement with might be the person we bring to Christ. Let's go to Linda. I'll quickly fit Linda in. Hey, Linda from Chicago, I got about 60 seconds. What's your comment? Okay, I was just saying I am pro-choice. Uh, I believe it is a woman's right to choose. And for the gentleman who talked about the Adam and Eve, yes, the, the whole issue of the garden was having the will, having free will. So um, yeah. God doesn't impose himself on us. Yeah, and so let me— so let me just say this. Let me just say this because I want to jump in, Linda. And please, because of time, uh, forgive me because I have to jump in, uh, but it's not because of a lack of respect for what you're saying. I think that we often confuse free will with the fact that we in this country have the right to vote our morality. Now, I'm not saying that everyone has to be forced to be a Christian. What I am saying is that if on my ballot I am asked the question, do I want to codify protection of rights for children in the womb, I have the right to vote that, just like everyone who's voting is voting their vision of morality. Christians should not feel guilty voting their vision of morality. And... um and I would argue from a theological perspective that God doesn't impose himself on anyone. Uh, he clearly says to the disciples in John chapter 15, you did not choose me, I chose you. He uh, preordained, according to Jeremiah 1 and 5, uh, that Jeremiah would be a prophet. God has the prerogative of choosing and electing. So let's make sure we're mindful of that from a theological perspective. I appreciate every one of you. Uh, that have called, that have shared your opinions and your views. Again, hopefully we can dis disagree civilly, but yet I do pray that where we are united is in the vision that all human life has dignity and that that dignity is uh, to be preserved and to be honored as uh, we reflect on the fact that men and women are made in the image of God. We'll make sure we post some of these uh, great um resources and you make sure you keep on listening to equip you can find out more at our website equipradio.org until we're together again next time as always remember equip with chris brooks is a production of moody radio a ministry of moody bible institute
Hey there, friends. Chris Brooks here. You know, marriage is a blessing from God, but it also takes commitment and work. Dr. Gary Chapman joins me to help us to deal with times of relational crises when we might feel like walking away from our spouse. How can we work through those difficulties and restore love and renew our hope? We'll talk about it on the next Equip. Listen live weekdays at 1 Eastern, noon Central on the Moody Radio app or equipradio.org.